Part two of The Wheel of Time by Henry James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. She knew this fact about Fanny's mind, she believed, some time before Jane Knocker knew it but she also had reason to think that jane knocker had known it for some time before she spoke of it it was not till the middle of june after a succession of encounters between the young people that her old friend came one morning to discuss the circumstance mrs knocker asked her if she suspected it and she promptly replied that it had never occurred to her she added that she was extremely sorry and that it had probably in the first instance been the fault of that injudicious dinner ah the day of my headache my miserable headache said the visitor yes very likely that did it he's so dreadfully good-looking poor child he can't help that neither can i lady greyswood ventured to add he comes by it honestly he seems very nice he's nice enough but he hasn't a farthing you know and his expectations are nil they considered they turned the matter about they wondered what they had better do in the first place there was no room for doubt of course mrs knocker hadn't sounded the girl but a mother a true mother was never reduced to that if fanny was in every relation of life so painfully so constitutionally awkward the still depths of her shyness of her dissimulation even in such a predicament as this might easily be imagined she would give no sign that she could possibly smother she would say nothing and do nothing watching herself poor child with trepidation but she would suffer and some day when the question of her future should really come up it might after all in the form of some good proposal they would find themselves beating against a closed door that was what they had to think of that was why mrs knocker had come over her old friend cross-examined her with a troubled face but she was very impressive with her reasons her intuitions i'll send him away in a moment if you'd like that lady greyswood said at last i'll try and get him to go abroad her visitor made no direct reply to this and no reply at all for some moments what does he expect to do what does he want to do she asked oh poor boy he's looking he's trying to decide he asks nothing of any one if he would only knock at a few doors but he's too proud do you call him very clever fanny's mother demanded oh yes decidedly and good and kind and true but he has been unlucky of course he can't bear her said mrs knocker with a little dry laugh lady greyswood stared then she broke out do you mean you'd be willing oh, he's very charming ah but you must have great ideas he's very well connected said mrs knocker snapping the tight elastic on her umbrella oh my dear jane connected lady greyswood gave a sigh of the sweetest irony he's connected with you to begin with lady greyswood put out her hand and held her visitors for a moment of course it isn't as if he were a different sort of a person of course i should like it she added does he dislike her very much lady greyswood looked at her friend with a smile he resembles fanny he doesn't tell 
"'But what would her father say?' she went on. "'He doesn't know it. You've not talked with him?' Mrs. Knocker hesitated a moment. "'He thinks she's all right.' Both the ladies laughed a little at the density of men. Then the visitor said, "'I wanted to see you first. This circumstance gave Lady Grayswood food for thought. It suggested comprehensively that, in spite of a probable deficiency of zeal on the general's part, the worthy man would not be the great obstacle. She had begun so quickly to turn over in her mind the various ways in which this new phase of the business might make it possible the real obstacle should be surmounted, that she scarcely heard her companion say next, the general will only want his daughter to be happy he has no definite ambition for her i dare say morris could make him like him it was something more said by her companion about morris that sounded sharply through her reverie but unless the idea appeals to him a bit there's no use talking about it at this lady grayswood spoke with decision it shall appeal to him leave it to me "'Kiss your dear child for me,' she added, as the ladies embraced and separated. In the course of the day she made up her mind, and when she again broached the question to her son—it befell that very evening—she felt that she stood on firmer ground. She began by mentioning to him that her dear old friend had the same charming dream, for the girl, that she had she sketched with a light hand a picture of their preconcerted happiness in the union of their children when he replied that he couldn't for the life of him imagine what the knockers could see in a poor beggar of a younger son who had publicly come a cropper she took pains to prove that he was as good as any one else and much better than many of the young men to whom persons of sense were often willing to confide their daughters she had been in such tribulation over the circumstance announced to her in the morning not knowing whether in her present enterprise to keep it back or put it forward if morris should happen not to take it in the right way it was the sort of thing that might dish the whole experiment he might be bored he might be annoyed he might be horrified there was no limit in such cases to the perversity to the possible brutality of even the most amiable man on the other hand he might be pleased touched flattered if he didn't dislike the girl too much lady grayswood could indeed imagine that it might be unpleasant to know that a person who was disagreeable to you was in love with you so that there was just that risk to run she determined to run it if only there should be absolutely no other card to play meanwhile she said don't you see now how intelligent she is in her quiet way and how perfect she is at home without any nonsense or affectation or ill-nature she's not a bit stupid she's remarkably clever she can do a lot of things she has no end of talents many girls with a quarter of her abilities would make five times the show my dear mother she's a great swell i freely admit it she's far too good for me what in the world puts it into your two heads that she would look at me at this lady grayswood was tempted to speak but after an instant she said instead she has looked at you and you've seen how you've seen her several times now and she has been remarkably nice to you nice ah 
poor girl she's frightened to death believe me i read her lady greyswood replied she knows she has money and she thinks i'm after it she thinks i'm a ravening wolf and she's scared i happen to know as a fact that she's in love with you before she could check herself lady greyswood had played her card and though she held her breath a little after doing so she felt that it had been a good moment if i hadn't known it she hastened further to declare i should never have said another word morris burst out laughing how in the world did she know it when she put the evidence before him she had the pleasure of seeing that he listened without irritation and this emboldened her to say don't you think you could try to like her morris was lounging on a sofa opposite to her jocuse but embarrassed he had thrown back his head and while he stretched himself his eyes wandered over the upper expanse of the room it's very kind of her and of her mother and i'm much obliged and all that though a fellow feels rather an ass in talking about such a thing of course also i don't pretend before such a proof of wisdom that i think her in the least a fool but oh dear and the young man broke off with laughing impatience as if he had too much to say his mother waited an instant then she uttered a persuasive interrogative sound and he went on it's only a pity she's so awful so awful murmured lady greyswood dear mother she's about as ugly a woman as ever turned round on you if there were only just a touch or two less of it lady greyswood got up she stood looking in silence at the tinted shade of the lamp she remained in this position so long that he glanced at her he was struck with the sadness in her face he would have been in error however if he had suspected that this sadness was assumed for the purpose of showing him that she was wounded by his resistance for the reflection that his last words caused her to make was as disinterested as it was melancholy here was an excellent a charming girl a girl she was sure with a rare capacity for devotion whose future was reduced to nothing by the mere accident in her face of a certain want of drawing a man could settle her fate with a laugh could give her away with a snap of his fingers she seemed to see morris administer to poor fanny's image the little displeased shove with which he would have disposed of an ill-seasoned dish moreover he greatly exaggerated her heart grew heavy with a sense of the hardness of the lot of women and when she looked again at her son there were tears in her eyes that startled him poor girl poor girl she simply sighed in a tone that was to reverberate in his mind and to constitute in doing so a real appeal to his imagination after a moment she added we'll talk no more about her no no all the same she went three days later to see mrs knocker and said to her my dear creature i think it's all right do you mean he'll take us up he'll come and see you and you must give him plenty of chances what lady greyswood would have liked to be able to say crudely and comfortably was he'll try to manage it he promises to do what he can what she did say, however, was, 
he's greatly prepossessed in the dear child's favour then i dare say he'll be very nice if i didn't think he'd behave like a gentleman i wouldn't raise a finger the more he sees of her the more he'll be sure to like her of course with poor fanny that's the only thing one can build on said mrs knocker there's so much to get over lady greyswood hesitated a moment morris has got over it but i should tell you that at first he doesn't want it known doesn't want what known why the footing on which he comes you see it's just the least bit experimental for what do you take me asked mrs knocker the child shall never dream that anything has ever passed between us no more of course shall her father it's too delightful of you to leave it that way lady greyswood replied we must surround her happiness with every safeguard mrs knocker sat pensive for some moments so that if nothing comes of it there's no harm done that idea that nothing may come of it makes one a little nervous she added of course i can't absolutely answer for my poor boy said lady greyswood with just the faintest ring of impatience but he's much affected by what he knows i told him that's what moves him he must of course be perfectly free the great thing is for her not to know mrs knocker considered are you very sure she had apparently had a profounder second thought why my dear with the risk isn't the risk after all greater the other way mayn't it help the matter on mayn't it do the poor child a certain degree of good the idea that as you say he's prepossessed in her favour it would perhaps cheer her up as it were and encourage her so that by the very fact of being happier about herself she may make a better impression that's what she wants poor thing to be helped to hold up her head to take herself more seriously to believe that people can like her and fancy when it's a case of such a beautiful young man who's all ready to yes he's all ready to lady greyswood conceded of course it's a question for your own discretion i can't advise you for you know your child but it seems to me a case for tremendous caution oh trust me for that said mrs knocker we shall be very kind to him she smiled as her visitor got up he'll appreciate that but it's too nice of you to leave it so mrs knocker gave a hopeful shrug he has only to be civil to blake ah he isn't a brute lady greyswood exclaimed caressing her after this she passed a month of no little anxiety she asked her son no question and for two or three weeks he offered her no other information than to say two or three times that miss knocker could really ride but she learned from her old friend everything she wanted to know immediately after the conference of the two ladies morris in the row had taken an opportunity of making up to the girl she rode every day with her father and morris rode though possessed of nothing in life to put a leg across and he had been so well received that this proved the beginning of a custom he had a canter with the young lady most days in the week and when they parted it was usually to meet again in the evening 
His relations with the household in Innismore Gardens were indeed not left greatly to his initiative. He became on the spot the subject of perpetual invitations and arrangements, the centre of the friendliest manoeuvres so that lady greyswood was struck with jane knocker's feverish energy in the good cause the ingenuity the bribery the cunning that an exemplary mother might be inspired to practice she herself did nothing she left it all to poor jane and this perhaps gave her for the moment a sense of contemplative superiority she wondered if she would in any circumstance have plotted so almost fiercely for one of her children she was glad her old friend's design had her full approbation she held her breath a little when she said to herself suppose i hadn't liked it suppose it had been for chumley chumley was the present lord greyswood whom his mother still called by his earlier designation fanny knocker's thirty thousand would have been by no means enough for chumley lady greyswood in spite of her suspense was detached enough to be amused when her accomplice told her that blake had said that morris really could ride the two mothers thanked god for the riding the riding would see them through lady greyswood had watched fanny narrowly in the park where in the saddle she looked no worse than lots of girls she had no idea how morris got his mounts she knew chumley had none to give him but there were directions in which she would have encouraged him to incur almost any liability he was evidently amused and beguiled he fell into comfortable attitudes on the soft cushions that were laid for him and partook with relish of the dainties that were served he had his fill of the theatres of the opera entertainments of which he was fond she could see he didn't care for the sort of people he met in ennismore gardens but this didn't matter so much as that she didn't ask of him she knew that when he should have something to tell her he would speak and meanwhile she pretended to be a thousand miles away the only thing that worried her was that he had dropped photography she said to mrs knocker more than once does he make love that's what i want to know to which this lady replied with her incongruous drollery my dear how can i make out he's so little like blake but she added that she believed fanny was intensely happy lady greyswood had been struck with the girl's looking so and she rejoiced to be able to declare in perfectly good faith that she thought her greatly improved didn't i tell you returned mrs knocker to this with a certain accent of triumph it made lady greyswood nervous for she took it to mean that fanny had had a hint from her mother of morris's possible intentions she was afraid to ask her old friend directly if this were definitely true poor fanny's improvement was after all not a gain sufficient to make up for the cruelty that would reside in the sense of being rejected one day in queen street morris said in an abrupt conscientious way you were right about fanny knocker she's a remarkably clever and a thoroughly nice girl a fellow could really talk with her but oh mother well my dear the young man's face wore a strange smile oh mother he expressively quite tragically repeated 
but it's all right he presently added in a different tone and lady greyswood was reassured this confidence however received a shock a little later in the evening of a day that had been intensely hot a torrid wave had passed over london and in the suffocating air the pleasures of the season had put on a purple face lady greyswood whose own fine lowness of tone no temperature could affect knew in her bedimmed drawing-room exactly the detail of her son's engagements she pitied him she had managed to keep clear she had in particular a vision of a distribution of prizes by one of the princesses in a big horticultural show she saw the sweltering starers and at what after all under a huge glass roof while there passed before her in a blur of crimson the glimpse of uncomfortable cheeks under an erratic white bonnet together also with the sense that some of jane knocker's ideas of pleasure were of the oddest she had such lacunes and some of the ordeals to which she exposed poor fanny singularly ill-chosen morris came in perspiring but pale nothing could make him ugly to dress for dinner and though he was in a great hurry he found time to pant oh mother what i'm going through for you do you mean rushing about so in this weather we shall have a change to-night i hope so there are people for whom it doesn't do at all ah not a bit said morris with a laugh that she didn't fancy but he went upstairs before she could think of anything to reply and after he had dressed he passed out without speaking to her again the next morning on entering her room her maid mentioned as a delicate duty that mr glanville whose door stood wide open and whose bed was untouched had apparently not yet come in while however her ladyship was in the first freshness of meditation on this singular fact the morning's letters were brought up and as it happened that the second envelope she glanced at was addressed in morris's hand she was quickly in possession of an explanation still more startling than his absence he wrote from a club at nine o'clock the previous evening to announce that he was taking the night train for the continent he hadn't dressed for dinner he had dressed otherwise and having stuffed a few things with surreptitious haste into a gladstone bag had slipped unperceived out of the house and into a hansom he had sent to ennismore gardens from his club an apology a request he should not be waited for and now he should have just time to get to charing cross he was off he didn't know where but he was off he did know why you'll know why dear mother too i think this wonderful communication continued you'll know why because i haven't deceived you i've done what i could but i've broken down i felt to-day that it was no use there was a moment at that beastly exhibition when i saw it when the question was settled the truth rolled over me in a stifling wave after that i made up my mind there was nothing to do but to bolt I meant to put it off till to-morrow, and to tell you first, but while I was dressing to-day it struck me irresistibly that my true course is to break now, never to enter the house or go near her again. I was afraid of a scene with you about this, 
i haven't uttered a word of love to her heaven save us but my position this afternoon became definitely false and that fact prescribes the course i am taking you shall hear from me again in a day or two i have the greatest regard for her but i can't bear to look at her i don't care a bit for money but hang it i must have beauty please send me twenty pounds poste restante boulogne what i want jane is to get at this lady greyswood said later in the day with an austerity that was sensible even through her tears does the child know or doesn't she what was at stake she hasn't an inkling of it how should she i recognized that it was best not to tell her and i didn't on this as mrs knocker's tears had also flowed lady greyswood kissed her but she didn't believe her fanny herself however for the rest of the season proved inscrutable she's a character lady greyswood reflected with admiration in september in yorkshire the girl was taken seriously ill end of part two